Welcome to another edition of Take 15 at CFA Institute. My name is Greg Seals, and today we have the pleasure of being joined by Bob Bahal and David Van Omeren from the Vanguard Group. Bob and Dave, welcome. Thanks, Greg. It's nice to be here. Thanks, Greg. Happy to be here. Um, now, you guys co-head the uh, asset-backed securities and commercial mortgage-backed securities group at Vanguard. This is an area of the market, obviously, that's been uh, in the news a lot over the last year or so as a result of subprime and then some other areas that we're going to get into today in our discussion that maybe are a little, little bit less, less well-known uh, in the marketplace. So maybe to start off with, um, uh, let's, uh, uh, let's, let's go to Bob. Uh, you could tell us a little bit about the evolving nature of the structured credit markets, a little bit of a background on what's happened in the last year and where we are now and, and maybe some things some things to look for going forward as this market tries to rebuild. Sure, Greg. Uh, as, you, as you take a look at the landscape in ABS, for example, we've had a, um, a, a, an interesting um, path that the securities of, uh, market has taken in that you started with a subprime problem and it, it, it uh, translated over to some of the other ABS consumer asset classes. Um, in, that, in that event, you also then had government intervention take over in the form of programs like TALF, that, that, uh, which is the term asset-backed lending facility that was created to, to help stimulate market demand for risk by offering a form of leverage. Um, and it, and since that, that program has in been initiated in the last year, we've had issuance return to the market. So for example, in ABS, we've had 80 billion or so of issuance come back into the market. What that program has done is really created demand and has apparently worked to, to bring um, um, the, the risk premium down in, in ABS securities over, over, over the last um, uh, six to, to nine months since, since, since initiation. So for example, if you look at um, returns in ABS, we've had um, returns in excess of 20% in asset backs and, and for CMBS we've had returns in excess of of 22%, almost 23%. So that's been a, a tremendous amount of, of, of um, uh, yield compression that's occurred. Mm -hmm. So the question that you ask yourself is what's causing that, right? Is it, is it um, you know, risk appetite that's improving, which is part of it, or is it, you know, investor demand that, that, it, that gets us to a more um, um, a normalized return level? Um, you know, when we think about the risk and when we think about what we're dealing with, we look at a lot of different different um, factors. But um, you know, one of the um, key issues that caused problems in the market was the the exit of key demand drivers. So what I'm talking about in that sense is um, structured investment vehicles or CIVs, CDOs, mm -hmm. um, security lending programs that were natural buyers of this product um, over the last few years that completely disappeared, mm -hmm. and so you had a lack of demand coupled with um, you know, a lot of systematic risk that, that had come into the market. Um, as the market um, returned to some form of normalcy through these programs, um, you ended up seeing spread compression. I mean, I think one of the things you see in, in the asset classes, one of the criticisms of the asset class was that there hasn't been um, um, uh, a scenario that can be, that, that's been experienced that shows uh, an environment where these these assets go through a cycle. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we've gone through that cycle or going through that cycle now. We've tested right. unemployment rates that that these securities and this this asset type hadn't seen in some in, in its history. We've we've um, experienced liquidity crises that um, are testing the the issuers and and 
and the securities. And so what you're starting to see in this environment is certain asset classes are surviving and certain asset classes are 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 returning to some form of normalcy. So mm -hmm. they're they're coming through the cycle with with some some sense of stability. Okay. And so in ABS, for example, we see better better securities, better better levels of support for the securities, issuers that have incentives and improving collateral quality. So one of um, our tenants or how we think about the risk is that that's what go what what um, a more um, robust market will be in the future. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about some of these markets. <coughs> Uh, some of these securities where they're sort of um, issuing and, and going forward on their own without government support. And then there's some markets where the government support, uh, is there a question in your mind um, how that transitions from uh, those markets that are supported by the government um, going forward? So that's an interesting point you bring up. Actually, if you look at TALF issuance, or what we do is we actually track just the total amount of TALF issuance by sector, but we also try to quantify whether the um, TALF issuance is being backed by TALF loans. Mm -hmm. And an interesting dynamic has, has been occurring over, over, the, over almost every month um, since the TALF program has out, been outstanding. As credit spreads or as yield is compressed or come down, uh, the, uh, the buyer base has, has become less TALF-oriented. So more, more, less loans are being taken out for the amount of securities being issued. Okay. So what that, in essence, means is that cash buyers have emerged and are buying the securities and not using TALF. Okay. And so that's a sign that says that, that we call it real money, but it means you know, that the, the buyer base is, is returned. Mm -hmm. That doesn't need to use government programs to buy it because the incentive behind the government program was use leverage to enhance your yield. Uh, and and non-levered buyers are willing to buy the securities at tighter tighter um, or, or 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 lower yields mm -hmm. because they they fundamentally want to own that risk. And so in the ABS market, it's actually becoming a situation of returning to normalcy. Right. Whereas in the CMBS market, the problem is we don't have any issuance and we don't have we still have a reliance on on TALF. And so um, the CMBS market hasn't come come fully there yet. Okay. Well, we'll talk about CMBS right. a little bit later in the program, <clears throat> but um, Dave, I wanted to dive a little bit more deeply into, you know, sort of your thoughts on relative value in the asset-backed sector right now. What do you see as attractive opportunities given the landscape uh, that, that Bob talked about in terms of the government-supported markets and investor demand? Um, uh, returning. Sure. Sure. We've really gone through a sea change in spreads as, as we've kind of laid out here a little bit. Um, if you look back to the fourth quarter of 2008, spreads hit their historical wides by quite a fair margin. Um, you know, we as being active investors, you know, wanted to look for uh, opportunities there. And we felt that you know, a lot of the risk that was being priced into those securities was more from a liquidity risk rather than, say, a pure uh, bankruptcy or default type of a risk. Mm -hmm. um, so what we intended to do was try to find securities that, that you know, gave us comfort to get involved. Uh, one of the issues that we had was that a lot of the securities available at that time in the fourth quarter of 08 were being priced with levels of credit enhancement that were more reflective of prior years. So lower losses, lower delinquencies. Mm -hmm. uh, we attempted to find uh, securities that had a, a higher capacity to take uh, our uh, potential losses or delinquencies at, at a much higher pace, kind of in, in, in line with what we thought our forward view uh, on those losses and delinquencies uh, would be. So we uh, took initiative to 
contact Wall Street syndicate desks to talk to issuers directly and express a lot of our concerns. Um, what we did happen to see was we started to see some issuance occur late fourth quarter of 08, early uh, part of 2009 with those higher levels of credit enhancement. That gave us a lot of comfort uh, and really was the impetus for us to get involved. We also looked for securities where there was kind of a vested interest in, in terms of the securitization tied back to the business model. So for example, credit card loans and securitization is very important to the big banks, um, just as auto loans are very important to domestic as well as uh, foreign auto companies. So um, that gave us a lot of comfort to get involved and frankly get involved at a fairly early stage. Um, what you saw then and what we've already talked about a little bit with TALF, uh, TALF occurred in March of 2000 year was the first uh, funding month uh, for 2009. We saw a, a broader array of securities become available with higher levels of enhancement and we saw a fairly large investor base start to get involved. As each TALF month occurred, the size started to grow uh, fairly rapidly. So where we see some of those opportunities and where we think things could go from here, we know there's quite a lot of demand from just the, the what we call the basis and asset backs in general, just the overall level of spreads. Uh, we know bond funds are getting a lot of cash flows out of money market funds with the, the low rates that they're experiencing there. So what we call the real money or, or you know, buy side type investors uh, might be looking just to put that money to work uh, in the space. So you know, we could see a little uh, continuation of, of trending tighter in the basis, but there's also the TALF buyer that's still out there. It's become a little less economical for the TALF buyer on certain loans as spreads have come inside of the TALF financing rate but there are still opportunities that exist. So uh, we think there's a very good possibility that you will see a collapse in tiering uh, from those TALF buyers. Okay, great, thanks. Um, so we've talked about some of the opportunities. Bob, do you want to hit on maybe some of the risk factors um, uh, for ABS going forward in terms of, um, you know, this can be uh, very, very broad if you'd like, but we have, um, you know, consumers uh, and, uh, you know, sort of more macroeconomic risks. So however you want to couch it in there, but some of the risk factors that you're looking at and paying attention to sure, in asset-backed sure. securities. You know, I think the, um, I, I, I do say that there was a time when nobody knew what an asset-backed security was, right? But now that um, certain parts of the sector have become very mainstream as far as, um, you know, they've, they've been cited as some of the cause of the problem, it's become a very, um, very, very, very um, high-level discussion. I mean, you have, you have, um, uh, a couple, a few layers of risk that I that that, that 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 I think about over time. So you identified macro risks as one, mm -hmm. but I think that uh, before diving a little bit deeper into some of the components of those risks, there's there's the risk of the legislative environment that we're in, mm -hmm. and then we have some um, some of the risk of kind of the the systematic risk that um, some of the unintended consequences that that might occur over time may have. So on the macro side, you know, we have the issue with unemployment rate. Right. Um, our, a lot of the assets that, we're, that, 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 that we deal with as far as investments are consumer focused. So to the extent that unemployment rates are high, that, that creates more problems for consumers, which could then result in lost content for the securities, which is what we focus on as we evaluate um, the reasonableness of the investment. So um, to the extent that, you know, we have either a stabilization of unemployment or an increasing unemployment rate, that's a problem. But, you know, where we're seeing the concept of economic recovery occur, you know, it's, um, it, it is how we think about our forward view of risk and say that if we think of stabilizations occurring, the market also is starting to see some of the stability 
um, as, an as an opportunity to invest in consumer-sensitive asset classes. The consumer specifically outside of unemployment rate is going through a change, it appears, right? So saving mm -hmm. rates are up, which is, um, you know, one of the drivers of, 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 of um, the need to have credit, mm -hmm. the need to create leverage was the, the concept that you were, that consumers were using that, that disposable income to finance purchases and to, to consume and to the extent that they're not consuming and so we see that in other other avenues like retail sales and consumption behavior the amount of a revolving credit outstanding for example mm -hmm. um, is is potentially a good it is a good thing but it's a risk factor in the sense that 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 does change the behavior that consumers have over time mm -hmm. and so those are the factors that that um, potentially could become uh, problematic and all of this factors into our view of prepayments and losses and other things that other 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 um, characteristics that we look for in securities, okay. and so um, you know the rate of bankruptcy for consumers is a problem. So so um, that's one aspect of it. Right. Um, on the legislative side, I think it's a very important um, aspect that we haven't um, you know we haven't had to deal with a lot of in the past, but it's become a very important um, um, factor in the sense that we've got a lot of um, 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 different bills ideas. Concepts floating in the market and 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 that are that are policy based that could have impact on on how these these securities are are managed and how the securities um, perform over time. Mm -hmm. You know we have we have um, the the Obama's administration look the the the, the, the president's group is working on um, potentially creating a um, <coughs> a consumer protection agency. We have um, uh, regulators looking at better ways to manage. The um, the bank risk and and securities risk. We have accounting standards being adjusted in the form of FAS 166 and 167, which are all impacting how securities are 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 treated and and have implications to to investors' view of these securities. So there's a lot of um, of I mean I'm just hitting on some of the highlights, but there's a lot of of, of factors playing into that. Right. There's a lot of moving parts right absolutely, now. Absolutely, absolutely. Sure. Definitely. Um, great. Let's shift gears a little bit. You touched on uh, uh, commercial mortgage-backed securities or the CMBS market earlier. Mm -hmm. We've been mostly talking about consumer-oriented ABS thus far. Um, but the commercial market is a very important market, probably a little less well-known uh, among you know the average investment audience than asset-backed securities. but. This market's gone through uh, a tumultuous cycle in the last uh, 18 months as well. So, um, tell us a little bit about, you know, both sort of what's happened in the commercial mortgage market, what the government's been trying to do, and then what your views or what your thoughts are going forward uh, for this market. So the commercial market also has um, seen a, a tremendous amount of price movement, first um, in, in a declining fashion where you had very highly rated AAA securities um, trading um, or, 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 or having price declines that were um, uh, extremely severe um, mm -hmm. and, and almost default-like risk. Mm -hmm. um, and so the question that, that comes up is, are, why, are, why are they rated AAA or are they really AAA securities? Um, Part of the challenge is what I talked about earlier, which is that the liquidity premium embedded in the market based on a systematic shift in the demand drivers may have caused a lot of that, mm -hmm. that decline. And I, I, I mentioned before that um, you know, CMBS also has seen um, a very um, uh, strong price movement to the positive this year, mm -hmm. generating upwards of 23% return year to date in excess. 
of the benchmark, right? So, so part of part of what's going on in CMBS is that it's it's clear that the the fundamentals are deteriorating. Right. Um, you, you've see, you've got a lot of headwind in in CMBS that's that's that you're struggling with in the form of um, property value declines that are a function of um, uh, uh, net operating incomes at property levels declining, uh, the change in underwriting standards that's occurring, uh, which has created a lack of liquidity for 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 for, for new loans. Um, you've got um, uh, uh, underwriting that that's that's requiring more equity in the property, so these properties don't have enough um, cash flow um, to sustain new standards. So so you've have you have a lot of systematic problems. Coupled with the concept of refinance risk that's coming coming up, where a lot of loans do, that need to be refinanced don't have the same um, uh, ability to refinance that they had in the past, so so that creates a lot of stress mm -hmm. in a market that um, is is starting to experience fundamental declines. Right, um, Dave. Maybe we'll um, dive in a little bit more with you. What about the lower-rated commercial mortgage-backed securities? Can you talk to us a little bit about? what the risks and potential opportunities there are in that part of the market? Sure. Well, if you look at the uh, rated below AAA uh, CMBS securities, now just to be clear, that's the original rating. There's already been some ratings volatility that's, that's occurred in the CMBS space. Uh, but originally rated below AAA securities, you know, currently yields 15 to 30 plus percent, uh, very security specific as well as very credit enhanced specific. Um, so the yields could potentially uh, seem very, very compelling. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that you do have to be concerned about is the level of credit enhancement embedded in those uh, less than AAA securities. They're generally less than 10%. So depending on what the view on ultimate losses on CMBS are, you know, if they're in the neighborhood of 5 to 10%, you're talking about significantly wiping out a large portion of principal. You know, you're right. blowing through all your credit enhancement and eating into a lot of that, that principal that's there. So on a loss-adjusted uh, basis, those yields aren't uh, nearly as compelling. Um, mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot of cause for concern with, with some of those securities. Um, if you do look even within the originally rated AAA space, there's various levels of credit enhancement within AAA. So you've mm -hmm. got the highest level enhanced super duper uh, CMBS as they're called, mm -hmm. uh, but you also have the junior AAAs as well as the mezzanine uh, AAA classes. Um, there you're talking yields in terms of high single digits to maybe mid double digits. Um, but you also have more credit enhancement than you do with the uh, below AAA rated securities. Um, credit enhancement ranges from maybe 12 to 20 percent or so. Now, I will say that while that sounds compelling and there are potential opportunities there, you really have to be aware that there's a lot of idiosyncratic risk uh, a bit embedded amongst those securities. You mean like certain properties that are um, part of those pools? Exactly. If you look at uh, a CMBS transaction, there may be 200 loans underlying each deal, mm -hmm. the top 20 of which might make up 50% of the entire deal. So it's right. very important to get your viewpoint on those top 20 securities correct, as well as the remaining, uh, the remaining loans uh, embedded within there. But right. um, the, the point being that uh, it only takes one or two of those uh, large loans to go bad to really cause some problems um, in terms of uh, different uh, risk-adjusted returns on various securities within there. Okay. Um, I will say with fair certainty that you're very likely to see ratings activity and a lot of ratings volatility uh, amongst those types of securities as well. Okay, great, thanks. Sure. Um, finally, I wanted, <coughs> wanted to talk a little bit about liquidity risk. Mm -hmm. um, this is something which for fixed income investors, um, 
uh, institutional investors, um, uh, maybe more individual investors are probably a little bit surprised by the lack of liquidity that we've experienced over the last 18 months and didn't necessarily think of their fixed income funds quite in that way, especially highly rated fixed income funds. Um, so can you talk a little bit about in the aftermath of this, how you guys are thinking about liquidity risk, how you incorporate it into your security analysis? Sure. It's really, it's really hard to not think about liquidity risk differently after going through the fourth quarter of 2008, where there was virtually no liquidity at all. Um, trading virtually came to a halt. Um, it was difficult for uh, any dealer to position any bond, um, and it was, you know, trading uh, became very, very tenuous. Um, so from what would come from that point to now, you know, uh, October 2009, um, liquidity's returned pretty favorably. Uh, I would say we're not quite back to uh, the normal levels that we saw prior to the, the credit crisis, and I would frankly say that we probably uh, undervalued the cost of liquidity back then, mm -hmm. when liquidity cost might have been a few basis points mm -hmm. uh, back in the old days, if you will. Right. Um, in the period of stress, they might have been a few hundred basis points. Um, so it's very difficult for the market to price liquidity correctly throughout the cycle. Mm -hmm. um, so, but we do feel that, that uh, today's market reflects a little bit more of a balance in terms of liquidity. Some of the things that we look at um, when we're pricing risk and liquidity in the marketplace, you know, we'll look at various things within uh, subsectors. So within asset backs, we might view an amortizing uh, auto loan structure different than an un unsecured credit card loan structure. Uh, we'll look at standalone issuer risk. Is the issuer able to um, kind of make it on their own? Is there bankruptcy uh, potential uh, embedded in the underlying issuer's rating? Mm -hmm. We'll certainly look at collateral risk, um, and we'll look at uh, we'll look at a host of other activities. Um, some being uh, secured versus unsecured financing rates. Where is the issuer able to uh, better finance themselves? Um, we do think that um, when we find some of those opportunities where there might be some uh, different price points in liquidity that uh, we'll look for those opportunities that we find compelling um, and where we're getting paid for that risk. But we do feel that uh, today's market more appropriately balances uh, the type of risk that's involved. Bob and Dave, thanks so much for your time today and your thoughts on this important subject. You're welcome. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. Thanks again for joining us today for another edition of Take 15 at the CFA Institute. Copyright 2009 CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.